At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Citizens of Lorcana podcast. A podcast where we invite you to be a part of their world. We're your host, Jared and James, and today we are talking with a TCG veteran and friend of the show, Don, aka Dragon Rider. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome to another week. Last week we talked about my wonderful experience with Gen Con event registration. So if you missed that, make sure to go back and check it out. And this week we have on one of my good Twitter friends named Don. Uh, she might be more familiar to those of you who play Hearthstone by the name Dragon Rider. Hey, Don, thanks for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how's it going? Going pretty well. Going pretty well. There's uh, some, yeah, interesting things about the uh, Gen Con registration stuff. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a yeah. story that won't end. We were talking about this before yeah. we started recording, and uh, you were not... A participant in that and i think i put about three years of of life onto myself through that process i can't even imagine <laughs> it sounded like it was a disaster but you know I, I don't know how they would handle it any better to be honestly i mean there's like seventy thousand people who are going and they have this process where i guess to make it as fair as they can you hit that button and then it just gets processed in the order that it hits. And they said up to 7,000 people will hit it at the same time. <laughs> I mean, is it only 70,000? I thought it was like double that. <laughs> um, Which is still like, that's a lot of people yeah. <laughs> regardless, yeah. either before, one, but it's a lot of people before the pandemic, it was their record amount. And they had 70,000 last year. Did they have it last year? They did. Yes. Yeah, but I think it was like 50,000. But this year, they're thinking it might break the 70,000 people record. So, But it's not like Comic-Con in San Diego or anything like that. It's just a big gaming convention. Um, So I can't remember specifically how we got to know each other. Um, Other than the fact that it was over Twitter. Like, I was thinking about this throughout the week. I was like, when was the first? And I probably could have gone back to look. But uh, you seem to have a similar Twitter philosophy as me in that you respond to people that respond to you. Um, did I get that right? Yeah, pretty much. And I don't remember either how it all started. <laughs> like, I don't know. I I follow so many people sometimes. And yeah, sometimes you just have those interactions where maybe you'll follow somebody or you like something or you reply to one of their posts that you end up seeing. And 
then it just kicks off like a whole conversation or you start chatting and then you're like, I don't remember even what the post was or how we found each other or like if it was just based on follow and then you followed or I don't I don't know. But I, you know, I had a light bulb go off as we were talking about this. I can almost guarantee one of the things that I do is I go into the search bar and I search Lorcana. So probably what happened at some point was you had mentioned something about Lorcana and I posted on it. And then, like I said, because you're somebody that replies to people, I reply to you. And then I reply back. It was like this never ending chain. And then um, and I will just say this before we get into the meat of the episode. One of my absolute favorite things about you is that you have a lot of experience creating content. And anytime I have questions or like I'm not sure how to do something, you are more than willing to take the time (laughs) um, to help me like get ideas, work through problems. And I just really appreciate that. Oh, of course. I mean, one thing that I have learned from doing all the content is there's no like one resource to just go to and be like okay cool like here's how you do stuff it's just trial and error and it's so much easier if you can reach out to somebody and just be like hey how do you do this like or what would you suggest uh I've I've been in that situation too when I started really trying to to do more streaming and work on my podcasts more I had to reach out to people who had been doing it longer than me and like uh, I'm having audio issues, help, what do I do? You know, and so I was always appreciative when other people did that. And, you know, if people are willing to reach out and say, especially with you, you're like, here's all this stuff. Like you don't just message and go, hi, like, <laughs> and nothing else, <laughs> you know, like you send a message and you're like, here's my things. What do you recommend? Or, and it's, it's a conversation. It's not just like a weird random, like one-off message. That's not helpful at all for me knowing what you need or, <laughs> or want. Right. Uh, so, you know, yeah. When, when I see that, I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. They, they came out and said, Hey, here's what I'm having trouble with. Can you help? Absolutely. Why well, was, <clears throat> well, number one, I feel like my secret weapon on Twitter is direct messages. I don't know how many people use that, but like, it's just nice to have conversations with real people. But number two, to your point, I had somebody reach out to me and normally you've probably had this before too, where people are like, Hey, I'd love to be on your pod and we can talk about anything, you know, whatever. But I had somebody reach out to me and they're like, Hey, I would love to be on your podcast. Here's some talking points we could talk about. Here's why I think you'd be interested in having me on. And I would even love to do Disney Jeopardy. And I'm like, you made that really hard to say no. <laughs> exactly. They sold it. I think I think it was the Disney Jeopardy that sells it. Because, you know, if you make it to the end of the show and you know we do Disney Jeopardy at the end, and like, yeah, you're a listener. You've listened to at least one full podcast. So... <laughs> True. So I wanted to backtrack to something that Jared mentioned about you playing games. You play Hearthstone. Uh, so uh, kind of give us like an overview of what your Hearthstone careers look like, like when you started playing, when you wanted to be get like serious about it, and maybe some of your like highlights of your career. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. So I started playing Hearthstone specifically uh, in the open beta, which was like the beginning very beginning of the year in 2014. So you were like so, an OG player? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've been around. Um, yeah. So I started playing and 
I don't know. I just, I played a lot of card games like growing up. I played Blizzard games growing up. Um, so I kind of had like, you know, some with both of those. Got the email like, hey, try out you know, this Blizzard card game. And I went, okay, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, and then never stopped playing. Like I've just been hooked since. Um, I would say probably like a year and a half or two years in. I, well, okay, I can't even say that. Like I was, I was pretty hooked from the beginning, but like I think after the one and a half to two year mark is when I really got serious. Um, I listened at the very like early stages of Hearthstone. There was a ton of different podcasts, and this is this is a kind of funny thing here now since you know I'm joining you all here on this podcast. I have my own podcast. I had never listened to a podcast. I didn't even know like what really like what podcasts were until I started finding out about Hearthstone podcasts, and I just dove in deep. At one point, I was. I was actually um, like an over the road trucker for a couple of years. And uh, I, so I had a lot of drive time. I listened to 17 different Hearthstone podcasts that were weekly. <laughs> yeah, there, there were a lot that were out. Uh, so that was kind of how I started diving in and then just kind of dumped, you know, jumped into those communities, chatted with people. Uh, I think I did a few guest spots on a couple of those. And then from there, it ended up just like, yeah, this is, this is fun. I'm staying in this community. And so then I decided to try out streaming and try out some like videos and different things. Uh, and then it got to the point where I felt like I was good enough at the game. And when I watched tournaments, I would start saying a lot of the same things that those casters were saying. I was like, oh, I could do that. I could do this. Like I could be part of this game. Like, this is great. And so then eventually it was like, all right, I need to just really get good at this game, hit legend a bunch. I'm going to stream. I'm going to do content. Like I'm going to get my name out there. I'm going to practice casting. Um, so I have done all of that. Um, I would say some of my big highlights uh, would be uh, in 2001. No, excuse me. 2000. Wow. No, not 2001. 2021. That sounds better. That's a bit uh, different. 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Oof. Well, I don't need to age myself any more than I <laughs> already am. Um, in 2021, I actually got to do two different uh, casting guest appearances for official Blizzard, like large scale tournaments. Uh, so that was amazing that i was so cool it, it was so cool i was like i'm casting with like the official like broadcast team and it was amazing uh and the second one happened i think it was like the beginning of november of 2021 and uh, i got to open the broadcast and i also was casting with the other uh woman who was on the broadcast team on the the casting desk and believe that that was also the first time that they had had two women on the casting desk together at the same time for an official broadcast. So that felt super, super cool. Um, so that, yeah, that, that was definitely one of my like biggest accomplishments and something I'm really proud of. There's so many highlights. I got goosebumps just listening to you. One of the, one of the main things I could think of when you're saying that is because uh, the other podcast I do is live, but you know, it's like, it's small ish. I mean, it's, it's centered around Comic-Con only, but you're casting to 
I mean, I, I'm guessing it was live, correct? I mean, you're you're watching games. Yes. That's, yeah. That's got to be stressful. I'm I'm stressful just talking to like seventy or a hundred people. I mean, it's got to be some stress involved in there. I mean, how do you manage that? You, you just not think about it like yeah, <laughs> you don't think about the numbers like uh yeah because that's that's way too nerve wracking yeah, yeah you just um you know at that point like I obviously had already been reached out to because I'd had a lot of casting experience and done some you know other like third party tournaments uh so I I was at least more familiar with that I kind of had already followed the broadcast so I knew the other casters at least in in some aspect. Uh, so I, I really just tried to focus on like, okay, just, just focus on like what's right in front of me, focus on the game, like focus on what I'm doing that I've been doing uh, for several years and don't think about how many people are watching or what people are saying in the chat, because that's never a good thing to look at during those, uh, you know, so that was just kind of like, just don't even think about that, ignore all that stuff and just like focus on what's happening right now. Is it, is it kind of like a muscle memory doing so much previous casting that you can just like, you can like hit those notes that, you know, you know, you have that rhythm as you, as you go. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I have noticed, uh, for anyone that has worked in like retail or customer service, you know, that like customer service voice that you have, like when you're normally talking, right. You're like, okay, I sound like this. And then as soon as a customer walks in, hi, how are you? right? Like your voice changes. You can, you can, if you hear that change, it's kind of like that for casting with me. Like I, I kind of just like put on this whole like caster persona and it just becomes like, okay, very serious. All right. We're going to be casting this. We're going to be looking at these matches. This, you know, this is happening. And I've just kind of developed that over time. And so I guess thinking about it that way is like, it's not, not necessarily a persona, like I'm becoming a different person, but it's very similar to that kind of customer service voice where, yeah, after I've done it enough, I kind of just get put into that, that like setting that mindset. So this is an interesting tangent. And I want to ask you two questions here. I know there are a lot of people in the Lorcana community who uh, talk about breaking into the casting scene. There are a lot of people who would love to get into casting Lorcana. So uh, I guess my first question is, how did you break into casting for Hearthstone? And then my second question, which is kind of related, kind of not, but I've heard a lot of people say that you can be good at one thing, creating content or being good at the game, but you seem to do both. So how how do you accomplish that? Oh my goodness. Okay, well, I'll, I'll answer the second part first and then I'll backtrack to the, the casting. Um, I don't feel like I'm good at both, so... Does that, does that count then? Uh, <laughs> there, there are definitely some people who I feel like, like they're at the very top levels of competitive and they can stream and do all that. Uh, and there are certain audiences, some people will just want to watch that because they are at that very high level. So they might get high numbers with the content um, just because they, you know, they draw that audience. Uh, but I think in terms of actually putting out a lot of content, being consistent with your content, it's a lot different than just pulling in an audience because of your rank. Uh, and that's probably the difference that people kind of talk about with right, being good at content. Um, it's just something that I have done so much that I've just developed the skills. Uh, and it's it's something that, again, like I don't even feel like I'm that good at it, but then looking back, 
so actually tomorrow, uh, as we're recording this, uh, it's going to be tomorrow. Uh, I am doing a 12 hour stream to celebrate five years of streaming and looking back at some of my like beginning stuff and, and looking back at even just like screenshots of stuff. I'm like, wow, my camera looks so bad or my lighting looks so bad or, you know, listen to some of the podcasts that I was on like four or five years ago. And I'm like, oh, my audio was so bad. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it's just, it's something that you just keep working on. You know, it's, it's something that you just keep practicing. It's just like a singer or an artist or a dancer or, you know, a top athlete, if they do a bunch of reps, right? If you want to get better at that, if you want to get better at podcasting, podcast every week for a full year, you will definitely get much better at it over that year than you were at the start. Same very thing true. With, yeah. Same thing with like live streaming, same thing with, I'm sure it's the same thing, even with like creating your memes. At the beginning, you were probably like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, I'm just slapping some stuff together and posting it on Twitter. And now you probably have a little bit better sense of like what people kind of like to see in the memes or keeping up with whatever's happening. Um, so that's in terms of like being good at both. It's just a ton of practice. And also if you like for me, I've streamed a ton of Hearthstone. That's pretty much all I stream. So when I stream a lot and I'm playing the game a lot, I'm kind of getting better at both simultaneously. So that That's certainly true. helps. Um, now going back to the first part that you mentioned about like casting and breaking into that. Um, I've had a lot of people over the years reach out to me and kind of ask, like, how do I get started with that? And honestly, my biggest piece of advice is start doing it on your own. Like if you live stream, I, I have like a, a point redemption on my stream to just kind of help me practice where people can redeem, Hey, cast us, you know, uh, or spectate a casted game, right? Like I just jump in and usually they want me to, um, spectate them and, and watch them in game. Cool. So I'll jump in and I just cast that single game right there on my stream. I I've done that, or I will sometimes even just like run my own tournaments so that I can get practice casting. <laughs> right. And then you do it either solo is very difficult. I will say, uh, it's much easier when you have another person that you can talk to when it's more of a conversation. Um, solo casting is very difficult. Uh, but you know, even reach out to somebody, if you know, friends that want to do that too, or can even just help you say, Hey, I'd like to work with you. Like, let's cast this recorded game and put it up on YouTube. It doesn't even have to be live. You don't have to do it on a live stream, um, but just getting that practice. And then once you feel like you're starting to work on it a bit, especially if you want to actually break into those scenes, you need to put the content out there for other people to see, right? If you're just practicing off camera, no one's going to have a clue that you do casting. So you have to put stuff out there, you know, record some stuff, post it on YouTube, do the live streams get little clips of that and make a one and a half minute little casting reel of, you know, clips from three or four different castings that you did just to post and promote and say, Hey, here's a little, you know, montage of some casting clips. I'm looking for work. And there's tons of communities out there for a lot of the different games that, you know, maybe you can even start joining. Maybe you're not going to get paid for it, but 
volunteer type work to get experience working with a broadcast team. And then from there, you can move into, you know, like smaller paid things uh, and then just keep moving up that way. But yeah, if, I mean, if you haven't done it before, start doing it. Um, just get comfortable with being on the camera. If you haven't done that already, get comfortable with talking about the game and get comfortable posting that because um, if you're wanting to do that, you're going to be on broadcast. So you have to get that content out. That's golden. Thank you so much. I know there are a lot of people who are going to appreciate that. So I want to go back a little bit further than your Hearthstone career. In one of your podcasts from uh, your podcast, TCCG Roundtable, you mentioned that you kind of grew up in a local game store, if I remember correctly, that your parents owned. Um, did I get did I get that right? And if so, what was it like growing up in that kind of environment? You did get that right. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, when I was around seven, eight, nine years old, my parents did own, it was mostly a Magic the Gathering store. Um, they did have some other stuff. And it was really fun. Like I had grown up, my, my parents both like loved kind of computer games and board games. Um, you know, my dad was very into poker. So I kind of grew up with that, just like gaming environment. And it really taught me a lot of stuff. I think one thing was, I also remember my parents ended up making a trade with one of their regulars. They traded some magic cards and the regular, um, customer gave them an N64 with some games and controllers. And that's how I started playing the N64. Uh, so, you know, that kind of helped get me into other games and other systems. Um, but the big thing there was that, uh, again, this is really aging me because I don't even know how long it's been since they stopped doing DCI numbers. But yeah, when I was around uh, eight, I got a DCI number for magic, uh, which was like your player number essentially. And that was how you entered like DCI sanctioned official tournaments. Now for those to do like Friday night magic DCI sanctioned tournaments, you had to have eight players and my parents' store was pretty small. Often they would have six or seven. So I got a DCI number and became basically player number eight so that it would be DCI sanctioned. Uh, so yeah, just imagine, you know, eight year old little me playing, <laughs> playing magic in my parents' store. Um, I, at that point, I, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, there's a giant spider on this card. That's cool. I'm going to play that. Um, you know, I didn't really like understand a lot of the, the concepts and strategies. Uh, so I definitely, as I got older, I kind of had to learn more of that and not just, I'm playing this card because of cool art or like, I know the name of that card, so I'm going to play it. Um, but I, I honestly do think that a lot of that really shaped like who I've become now, um, just because for me, it was such a like great experience being in that environment. And I think even though I learned later that there were some like negative things and I guess like my parents store had gotten um, like broken into and robbed a couple of times, things like that. But as a kid, like I never saw that. Right. I just saw the, this is cool. It's a game store. And like, I'm playing games and, and it's okay. Like, so that for me kind of really launched a lot of my, I guess, current 
like this is what I want to do. I, re- I remember hearing that story and I'm like, oh, so that's the way, that's why she is the way that she is. That makes a lot of sense. But I mean, a lot of people, that's their dream. They would love to have their kids play with them. So speaking of your uh, your podcast, the TCCG Roundtable, you had Jared on a couple of months ago and talking about Lorcana, of course. But you mentioned that you're not actually a huge Disney fan, which is okay. It's okay. But you're coming to this from more of the TCG point of view and less the Disney point of view. Uh, so what is it about Lorcana itself that is interesting you as a TCG veteran? Yeah. So first of all, I just, I love card games in general. And every time I hear anything about a new card game, I at least have to like check it out, look into it a little bit, see what it's about. Um, But I think there's several different things specifically for Lorcana. Some of the games, right. I might look into it and then I'm like, man, that doesn't seem very interesting. And then I kind of forget about it. Like immediately after looking into it, Lorcana has kept my interest uh, and I, I have been kind of trying to follow the news as best I can with everything else that I have going on. But first of all, I mean, of course, it is very like iconic. Even if I'm not a Disney fan, I at least know there are a lot of people who are Disney fans. So just because, you know, like Hearthstone, right, had kind of that blizzard and it was based on World of Warcraft. It had that kind of following already of people who were going to jump in and want to try it. Disney Lorcana has that as well. But yeah, so so not only just like recognizing, right, that I think this is going to have a huge audience right from the beginning, um, that, you know, honestly, that is an, an attractive thing uh, because some card games end up being very small and sometimes they end up kind of just fading out or not really having enough community to support them. So that's unfortunate and they stop producing cards or stop, you know, continuing um, development. So uh, to to see that it has a huge audience already, it's going to have a lot of attraction um, is fantastic. And I think the fact that uh, Jared mentioned on our show about them actually selling cards like at Disney theme parks and stuff is also another draw because typically you have to really kind of go out of your way to find card games you have to go to right the local game stores like you have to be very specifically looking for them whereas if they're just selling them at the theme parks people who really never have touched card games or who wouldn't be looking for them are going to see it and potentially actually get some of the cards and try it out and that just continues growing the audience so i think that that's actually a huge bonus and i'm pretty excited for that Um, But the other thing is, is that with card games, I always love looking at how they do like just all of the different concepts. Do they do some sort of like mana or resource system and how do they approach that? You know, do they do simultaneous turns? Do they use lanes? Do they do, you know, this, whatever kind of keywords. Um, So I'm always interested and the way that like the ink and inkwell works here, I think is amazing, not only for making it more simple and accessible for, you know, younger audiences or newer um, card game players, but it's also just straightforward. So you don't have to sit there and think, okay, how many lands do I need to put in this deck to make it effective? Because I always hated that. (laughs) 
in magic and even a bit in Pokemon. I could never get it right. And I just was like, no, I, I don't like that. So being able to just say, okay, cool. Here's my cards. I can play that for my resource. And I get to choose which cards are going in that inkwell, how that's working. It just feels like a really cool concept. So I think all of that combined, I'm just like, this is going to be a really cool thing. Yep. And it's cool that uh, um, somebody who's not a huge Disney fan uh, sees the potential in this game as well. One of the things we've talked about this quite a bit already, and this is the question I've been most excited to ask you about, uh, is I've grown to admire uh, how prolific of a content creator you are. You've talked about this already. You have, I believe, two podcasts that I know of. You stream. I mean, you said you're on your fifth year. You cast. You're active on Twitter. You're just always pushing out more and more content. Um, A lot of people who are listening to the show are also uh, pretty new in the content creating. Like, we're taking that journey as content creators that you took five years ago when you were driving long haul and like, hey, you know, I could actually do this and say something meaningful. Um, what advice uh, might you have for people who are who want to get serious about this journey? Yeah. Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, there's not really any just like one go-to place to get resources. It's kind of just a you're, you're kind of just dumped in with the wolves and go, good luck. Uh, so that's just kind of the nature of this industry. There are resources out there. Absolutely. And like I said, you know, reach out to other people. Um, but honestly, I feel like the biggest thing that I have learned and that's really held me back is that feeling of someone else has already done it. So what do I have to add? Um, and I know a lot of other people feel that right even with things like Hearthstone, a new set's coming out and they're revealing cards or even right, like for Disney Lorcana, they're revealing cards and someone goes, oh, well the, you know, the several podcasts already talked about the cards. So I shouldn't do that because they already did that. And that thinking will hold you back so, so much. Uh, so my biggest piece of advice is Try to look at it in terms of what do you bring that somebody else might not. Um, so for example, here, right? I'm not really a Disney fan, but I have been playing card games for 20, some, almost 30 years. We don't need to get into that part, but yeah, it's been a very long time uh, that I've been playing card games. So I can bring that in and say, okay, all this experience of looking at, you know, 30, 50 different card games and all those mechanics, how can I bring that into a new card game? Um, or saying, hey, you know, when I've gone to tournaments, I'm usually the only woman at the tournament or one of two. How can I bring a perspective to a tournament or tournament analysis that attracts a different audience? Um, and even if you feel like you're repeating the same information or maybe you're posting a video or doing a stream just like everybody else, just also remember that everyone has different tastes in the kind of content that they like and the kind of creators that they like, right? I watch a lot of Hearthstone content, but there's still some creators that I'm like, man, they just cuss a lot and they're really salty. I don't really like that. I want to find somebody who's positive and like, just is having fun with the game. So there you go, right there. 
I'm not going to be interested in these same exact, you know, creators. I'm not going to watch every single person that plays Hearthstone or streams Hearthstone. I'm going to pick and choose, but everybody is also picking and choosing. So there will be an audience for your content. It's just a matter of making sure that you are putting out that content and attracting that audience. So I, I just, I please, I, I really hope that people do not just feel like I have no value to add. Someone else has already done it or someone else is already doing it. Please, please try. Even though I'm still pretty new in this game, uh, James and I, I still have people reach out to me and they tell me that exact same thing. Like I thought about doing content, but everybody else is doing this. And I say that exact same thing. I was like, everybody else might be doing this, but the people who want to listen to you are not going to be able to find you if you don't put yourself out there. Like different people like different things. And the other thing I tell people is, I mean, I don't know what it was like for you when you first started out, but I remember when I first started out on Twitter for months, I'd get two or three likes and it was the same people over and over. And like, it can get discouraging if, <laughs> if you don't see progress for a while, but that's what I always tell people, stick it out for the long haul. Um, people have to see you first. I mean, I was kind of lucky because I caught that first wave. I will admit that. I mean, I was there at the beginning, but I mean, I've seen other people come into Lorcana Twitter who have started to make waves like later on. So it's just a matter of sticking with it and not giving up. Yeah. And I mean, it's, if you think about it too, it's, it's just like movies or movie genres or books or music, right? Even if you like rock music, you might not like all rock music. You might only like certain artists. Some people will like fantasy, but maybe they don't like certain fantasy authors just because of the way the writing is or whatever. So even within like smaller and smaller niches, there's still going to be people. And, you know, all it takes sometimes is those one or two people to start things. And, you know, those one or two people that are liking your stuff, well, guess what? Anybody that follows them they will start to see that and it will eventually start to snowball. Sometimes it might plateau, but it, you'll get there. Yep. I'm forever grateful for those two or three people who always liked my stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, it's, it's such great advice. I mean, just keep at it, get, get it, get started. I mean, if you're asking the question uh, of someone like, I want to do this, but there's so many people, if you're asking the question, that means you want to do it. And that means you should at least try it. You should give it a real honest try and go out and do everything that you guys have said and just keep at it for a while, keep doing it regularly, see how you do, and then you'll know whether or not it's something that you actually want to do. But I have another question, and that's something I want to move uh, before moving on to anything else is uh, your group Amber Flight Game. Uh, can you tell us the story behind this and what its purpose is? Yeah, so Amber Flight Gaming is the esports organization that I started. Uh, we started and kind of launched in November of 2019. Uh, so we just kind of celebrated three years. Uh, and, and we're still a pretty small, I mean, maybe around 10, maybe 12 people. Um, so still pretty small, but really what, what kind of brought this about was I had been on a team. I had had other like people and other teams and stuff reach out to me. And it really kind of just felt like some of these orgs or some of these people 
we're kind of in the space either not really understanding anything about like competitive play or understanding anything about Hearthstone or it felt like they were just doing this thinking, oh, we're going to sign a bunch of competitive players and we're going to make a bunch of money off of them because they're going to go win tournaments. And either way, it felt really bad. And so I kind of came with with this idea of, you know, I want to start my own team from someone who, you know, has played a bunch of tournaments, who has been in this scene, who understands and who has been in that position themselves. And it's not about making a bunch of profit and just, you know, taking money from the players. Like even now, I, and I tell everybody this, like, I will never take a player's tournament winnings. Like they are the one going to the tournament. They are the one preparing for that. They are playing in it. You know, it's their winnings. Uh, some teams do that and that's how they, they earn money. Um, but I just don't agree with that philosophy. So I'm like, all right, you know, that's, that's not the way to do it. Um, so kind of that is how it started. And really just the purpose of that is to actually give people who might've been kind of passed over or who get skipped over actual, even a starting opportunity. Yep. Sometimes it's so important just to have that launching point. Well, I remember you talking about this when I was on your podcast and I just remembered being really impressed by it. So I'm glad you touched on that. Now, bringing this back to Lorcana, you are attending Gen Con, and I know you're going to officially announce that tomorrow. Um, I know you went to Denver TCG Con, which was your first in-person event in like three years, because again, you mostly play digital card games. Now, are you going specifically for Lorcana, or Lorcana being there just so happens to be a nice bonus? Um, so you won't hurt our feelings. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's it's kind of a mix. Um, uh, my husband and I have actually talked over the last several years, actually, probably even honestly before before the pandemic, uh, about wanting to go to Gen Con. It's just something that has been on our like kind of bucket list for a long time. Uh, you know, we have we have a ton of board games, like we love board games and tabletop gaming. We love all the different stuff and it's something that we've really wanted to do. Um, and then, yeah, finally, uh, with the pandemic and just, I've, I've actually been doing content full time for the last two and a half years. Uh, so I've just been at home. So really, and also, you know, not, um, really bringing in the greatest income from, uh, the content sadly. Uh, so all of that combined, it was like, yeah, we just really can't go do anything we can't go do events we can't go do trips um so it's just been years of just grinding and hoping that we can do something um and yeah we finally uh i kind of had been looking into another card game uh soul forge fusion and then i i think i saw somebody on twitter originally like make a comment about tcg con and i was like oh, what is that and so I looked into it and I was like, oh, it's a convention just for card games. And I was so excited. I was like, I need this. Like, I need this in my life. I need to try this. And then I saw there was one in Denver, which uh, for us is actually is pretty close. It's only about a five hour drive. Um, yes, I'm from the Midwest. Even a 12 hour drive is not that bad. We've done 24 hour drives. Like I love road trips. 
you know, like I said, I used to be a driver. I had no problem being in the car for long, long periods of time. Uh, so I was like, okay, cool. We can, we can afford that. It's going to be like pretty cheap, right? Let, let's go. And, you know, I've been to other conventions. I just, I love the atmosphere of conventions, being with other people who are there for that purpose, right? It's not just being out in public where like people are miserable and like hate their lives. You're like, I'm at a convention where other people are like, they're excited to be there. They're there for a reason. They're, you know, passionate about the games and the different stuff. Um, and there's just something so different about being at an event like that than just being out in public in general. And so I, we went to the TCG con and I was like, this is so fun. I have missed this so much. And then we talked about it and it's like, okay, can we do Gen Con? And it's like, all right, here's like the list of like, we broke it down. We're like, okay, let's plan this. Like how much is the hotel? How much is the drive going to cost? Okay. When we do this drive, like we're going to pack a big cooler with like sandwiches and drinks and, and that kind of stuff. Right. Like, so we're going to go to Walmart, not buy a bunch of stuff from the gas stations. Like, okay, here's, you know, here's how much the tickets cost. Like how much do we want for like merch, you know, like cards or board games. Uh, so we kind of came up with this like detailed list and we're like, okay, so how can we do this? And it's like, all right, I think we could do this. So let's do it. Uh, and I will say we probably will mostly be going for the, the board games and, uh, for some soul forge fusion, but I really pushed that I wanted to make it happen this year because this year is when Lorcana is there and it's coming out right after Gen Con. So it was like, okay, if we're going to do this, like this is the year that I for sure want to go just because I think there's so many good things this year. And, you know, with, with looking back and like being there from the start of Hearthstone, like I mentioned with being in the open beta, I want to be there from the beginning of Lorcana as well. So that's like, this is my chance. So all of that combined, it's like, all right, let, let's do it. So it's not solely Lorcana, although even after realizing that like everything was sold out uh, for the, those tournaments, which made me very sad, uh, but still we're like, okay, right? Right when it opens Thursday morning, first thing we're going to the Lorcana. So it's not necessarily that we are going just for Lorcana, but we have already talked about it and made it a point like that's where we're going first. Well, I, for one, am super excited to see you there. And secondly, there's going to be a group of us uh, camping out in front of the doors around 4 a.m. You are more than welcome to join. <laughs> well, we'll see if I do end up getting up that early. Why I might. Um, I do drink a lot of coffee typically. So if I could just, you know, find myself a good giant thermos of coffee, maybe I will. Yeah, your your comment about grabbing the cooler full of food is is reminiscent of uh, early days of me going to San Diego Comic Con because that was when you could actually like uh, buy parking like the day of right under the convention center. So uh, me and my brother would uh, fill up a cooler full of food instead of buying convention food. We would walk down into the parking garage and have lunch down there and grab snacks and whatever. So. Yeah, it's totally the way to do it if you wanna if you wanna yeah. go without oh, eating convention food. I mean, that's just 
that's a horrible thought in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we, and we always try to find a hotel that has like the free breakfast and stuff too. You know, we're yeah. like, okay, load up a big breakfast <laughs> and then we'll eat like at the end of the day, uh, you know, we'll eat like a big dinner too. Um, you know, maybe bring a couple of snacks, but, uh, I think it's about a 19 hour drive, uh, for us to go to Gen Con. So yeah, we're like, yeah, we're not going to make a bunch of stops at restaurants and stuff. Like we're going to make some like egg salad sandwiches, you know, those will stay nice and cold in the ice and, and grab those drinks. Cause sometimes also through some of the stretches, especially in like the middle of the United States, if anybody is not familiar, uh, you could go for quite a while without coming across anything. Uh, maybe so like true. some, yeah, maybe some gas station that you're like, is this even open? Is it abandoned? Is it closed? I have no idea. Maybe, maybe if you're lucky, there's a rest area, like a rest stop that has a vending machine that actually has something in it. Um, but <laughs> there, there's some, you know, big gaps. Uh, so kind of kind of also helps to have a cooler with with some food and drinks and snacks yes i've been there before i know exactly what you're talking about yes absolutely so real quick since you're competitive in, in digital do you see yourself ever getting competitive in a physical game or are those just where you like hone your skills more for fun what do you think well and basically you think if you like work enough do you think you'll play it physically so I think if you had asked me this question three months ago, I would have said, nah, I'm never going to touch a card game again. And then I found Soul Forge Fusion. And then I went to TCG Con literally to play in the Soul Forge Fusion physical card game tournaments. And then, yeah, seeing this Lorcana and that it is going to be, I mean, already for the last, you know, how many months we've been looking at <laughs> Disney Lorcana. We know it's going to be a uh, physical but absolutely now I will say, yeah, it's, it's I, I don't think before TCG Con Denver a couple weekends ago, I probably hadn't played a physical card game in 12 years. <laughs> so it was, it was exciting though, to be back and like, uh, you know, seeing people walking into the convention with like their deck boxes and seeing people bring out tokens and dice. I was like, oh, this is so exciting. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to, uh, to jump into Disney Lorcana and check that out as well. And absolutely. I think that it, it is something that can be something that I do, uh, competitive in, especially if it is popular enough to be in lots of places, even if they're smaller, because right. also living in a smaller place, I, I literally, we have like three game stores here. That's it. Three game stores. One of them is only Magic the Gathering and Billiards. One of them <laughs> doesn't do card games at all. And then the other one, I, I walked in and I asked, do you have Soul Forge Fusion? What's that? Oh, okay. Um, all right. Will you be doing Disney Lorcana? You're the second person that's brought that up. So we might look into it. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I hope it gets popular enough that it will be here because please, I don't want to have to drive like five hours every time I want to play a card game. Oh. So <laughs> one way, <laughs> uh, I did live there for a year and a half actually. Um, but yeah, my husband, and I, we don't like the heat. He's <laughs> even fair. worse than I am. That's uh, fair. like, 
Yeah. He, he could probably live in Alaska and like, he would be thrilled. Um, I'm not quite that like, you know, in love with the cold, but I still don't enjoy the heat. Well, thanks. All right. So, uh, we're going to move on to some of our, uh, segments that we do. And the first one is one, uh, hopefully you can help us with, and it's our Lorcana lexicon where we go over TCG terms that may be unfamiliar to people like us who have been not in the TCG verse for many years. And to the, this week's is on a curve. And so what does that mean? I mean, we're not, we're not driving. So what does on a curve mean? That is a good one. And, uh, yeah, I, I will say uh, just a quick shout as well. Thank you to Jared for our discussion about this whole like, segment because we have also implemented a similar segment on TCCG Roundtable uh, for Term of yes. the Week. This is yeah. going back to the conversation earlier. You were the yeah. one who gave me this idea. Yeah, um, and it's, it's it's great. And I think it's also important because sometimes there's uh, terms that people use across multiple card games that maybe you're joining in for the first time you're joining into a different card game. You're like, what are they talking about? So for playing on a curve, if you hear people talk about this, you hear, uh, you know, I've said this, Hey, I'm just going to play on curve. Okay. So essentially that is playing with all of your mana or all of your resource uh, every turn, even if it may not be the like most effective uh, you might not get the effect right away. Um, but if you have something you have for Disney Lorcana, the first turn, if you put one card in your inkwell, you can play something that costs one, right? So turn one, you would play something that costs one. On turn two, you add something else to your inkwell, you'll be able to play something that costs two. And you would do that. And essentially playing on a curve, you would just go, okay, on turn one, I'm playing something for one. Two, I'm playing something for two. Three, I'm playing something for three. And, and you just curve out like that. It's not always uh, the best thing necessarily, depending on the situations, and it doesn't always work out, maybe depending on what you draw, or if you unluckily, like for Lorcana, if you somehow don't really draw enough uh, things to use for ink, you, you might not be able to do that. But yeah, playing on a curve is just essentially playing your full amount of resource or mana that you have each turn. and it can be a very effective way sometimes to play depending on, you know, what kind of deck you're playing. Very good. Thank you. Um, I actually had a, somebody that listens to our podcast on YouTube asked me that question. So I was like, this is going to be a good one to cover in our podcast. So we are going to go to summary of news right now. And this is also something that we talked about off air, but just today, Jen Con sent out an email saying that everybody who registered for more than one tournament or more than one learn to play, um, they're going to have to turn back all their duplicates. So everybody like myself who went through the initial event registration and didn't get an event ticket will have a chance to get a ticket now. And people like yourself who, you know, didn't sign up for Gen Con until after the event registration had taken place. So um, my advice is, because this is going out on Friday, keep checking that page. June 5th is the day that they're going to mandatory do the refunds, but I would be checking every single day between now and June 5th. It's because people have been given the option to cancel them themselves, essentially, uh, or transfer them to someone else. 
So if they are canceling it themselves so they can pick the one they want, because otherwise Gen Con's going to pick the one that you keep, uh, those may just show up. I mean, we don't, they haven't said how they're going to show back up as being available for purchase again. So yeah, keep checking, keep an eye out on uh, Gen Con uh, announcing if they're available again, if they announce it as a, like an on sale date again or something like that, but keep an eye out on the news. And uh, if you if you know someone who had more than one and uh, they haven't gotten rid of it yet, maybe hit them up and see if they were planning on uh, transferring it to someone and say, hey, what about me? Yeah, uh, because I actually asked Gen Con because my ticket that I got was originally somebody else's duplicate ticket. So I said, if somebody transferred me a ticket, but is originally duplicate ticket, is that going to get taken out of my account? And they sent me a message saying that the transferable tickets are safe. So Yes, if you know somebody that has duplicates, uh, hit them up and ask if they'd be willing to uh, transfer one to you. Very interesting. And it's, yeah. it's actually a really cool thing that Gen Con and Morkana are basically saying, we want as many people as possible to have a chance to play the game and to experience the, the first tournament. I think that's a really cool thing. It's obviously going to be uh, really difficult to deal with for the people who did get multiples and whatever ends up happening. But I really do like the fact that they're letting as many people as possible play. Same. Yeah. Same here. I mean, I'm crossing my fingers, hope that I can get in on that. But, you know, even if I don't, I think it also just kind of encapsulates the entire just Gen Con and Disney Lorcana, right? Like the whole thing with Disney and this card game and the way they've developed all of it is to be as accessible as possible. And if they limit, how many people get to even like jump in and play at the start that's not very like family friendly not very like open to everybody so yeah that's a super cool change and it's really interesting because i don't think that i've really heard of anything like that happening in other like conventions or or other things like that i don't know if either of you have but that seems like a pretty unique situation yeah, it, it tends to not happen very often. Uh, usually these kinds of things are announced beforehand uh, where everyone knows they can only get one, but I think they did definitely see that a majority of the tickets went to a limited number of people. The people were getting like five or six or seven of them, and they're like, we want more people to play this. It doesn't feel good or look good to have that many in the hands of just a few people. So I think that's the what they're trying to do is they're trying to just spread it out there. And like I said, it does really help the accessibility of it. And the look is very good. Um, so the, uh, the other news that we had is Tournament Center was announced as running uh, organized play for Lorcana, it looks like in Europe. Um, so that's pretty cool that they're uh, getting, uh, and I know Tournament Center is a pretty pretty big company for uh, organized play so it's pretty cool that they're uh, partnering with uh, with another big company like they i think the one that's handling their hobby store program is yeah. melee uh, so they're they're partnering with a bunch of companies that uh, are already existing in in the tcg verse and uh, they're not brand new to the thing like robinsberger so they're they're definitely putting putting forward that they want people who know what they're doing involved in the aspects of the business Yep, I think when I read the article, it said that they run uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments Yu -Oh, over in Europe. Pokemon Europe, yeah. So that's pretty cool. And I, I think the other thing that they they announced was that uh, Asmodee would be helping with distribution. Uh, 
possibly also just in Europe. Uh, we don't know. There was not, wasn't really much of details on it. It was in an article on uh, Toy World Mag in the UK. So I'm guessing this is a basically just information for Europe. Um, but Asmodee helping as well is interesting because, I mean, they're their own game company. They produce their own games. So it's interesting that they're going to be helping with distribution. So we'll see. That's it's actually pretty interesting um, because again, just recently um, I've gotten into Soul Forge Fusion, which came out in like September, October of last year, and they wanted to release also in the UK, but apparently there was a lot. They've had a lot of um, shipping, like distribution issues in UK. Uh, so that's really put them behind with their sets. And I'm wondering if it's also just kind of the same thing where just these manufacturers, these shipping in the UK specifically are just really having a hard time with getting these like physical card game things done and shipped. Uh, so pretty interesting to hear that it's happening across multiple different card games. And and it's just, again, another indication that they are not trying to go this alone and and make things up. They're They're in they're investing in help from people who are already in the TCG space. And so a lot of the people who are naysaying Robinsberger because they're a newbie in the TCG field, it's like, well, they've got a bunch of people helping run it who have been in TCGs forever. And now they're getting all these companies who have been doing TCG stuff for years as well to run different aspects of it. So it's a very good look that they're just getting all of this help to run the TCG. And uh, we wanted to uh, also comment on something that, uh, I think we had might have talked about last week where there was that uh, French. Yeah, we did because uh, in France they mentioned something about there being less, like no organ, no tournaments, no like big tournaments for like the first year. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, what they said is they actually came onto the Lorcana HQ Discord, and you team say Lorcana, they. Who are you referring to? Team Lorcana, the official Team Lorcana, posted on the Lorcana HQ, um, and they said quote, hi, Illumineers, we want to clarify incorrect speculation about Disney Lorcana's organized play program. While the program's organized play structure is designed to welcome new players, there is still plenty of room for competitive play. Please stay tuned. We'll be releasing inf more information about our plans soon at DisneyLorcana.com. So that, that is very nice that there is a clarification that there will still be competitive play coming. Uh, we don't, again, it's unclear what that will be but there will be something yeah because how many people were were already ready to give up the game because there was no first party organized play beyond local level yeah and <sighs> it's it's okay i mean for some of us who are new it's like well let's build up to that competitive play give yeah. us time to learn the game and they'll you know, be in an environment like that so for some of us yeah we need that time but other people who are like already competitive, they they're like, let's go, let's go competitive from day one, and that's difficult to do for any card game. I think, I think yeah. unless you're established, it's it's going to be difficult no matter what. Unless you're Bondi. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, I was I was gonna say though that speaking of that, it's the the last year or two specifically, there has been multiple card games now uh, who have either they kind of established right beforehand. And they're trying to really solidify their kind of competitive organized play system, or they are starting up like Bandai's Battle Spirit Saga coming out, uh, that they have all been announcing like million dollar prize pools for their competitive play and organized play um, year long system. 
So that could also kind of be a reflection of like, hey, they are, you know, going to have organized play. Like, don't, you know, it, there, there definitely is an audience for that, right? That's why these companies have to do these huge prize pools and run all these tournaments um, because there is that audience. But I guess like my knowledge of all these tournaments and all these huge prize pools that I've put, been putting out, that almost kind of feels like a, hey, there is organized play, which they said right from the start, I feel like right when this was announced, like that, that they intended Robust on doing organized tournaments. play is what they said. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of unsure, you know, where the speculation or, or hesitation came from for people being like, oh, it's not going to happen. Like, no, they said that from the beginning. It's all of that stuff though, is very much a work in progress. There's a lot of moving parts like behind the scenes that they have to work on, you know, landing venues and working with companies, right? You just listed several companies that they're working with. Um, sometimes they might have set up to work with somebody else and then something falls through and then they have to change that plan and work with somebody else. So I have complete faith that they are working on that, that they're coming up with all of those details that they are trying to make it as good as they can. Um, but sometimes, you know, again, like I said, with the, with the shipping issues and distribution issues, sometimes there is something that happens that just they didn't plan for or something fell through and they have to kind of readjust. Um, and they might not just be ready to like, you know, detail, uh, give details yet on what all of that is. Yeah. We have no idea what happens behind the scenes. That's why I have to remind people all the time. We have our timetable, but they have their timetable and stuff is happening all the time that we are not aware of and will probably never be aware of. So unfortunately, until there's that six part behind the scenes Disney documentary in a couple of years for the creation of Lorcana, I'm going to I'm going to keep saying that until it happens, because I want to see how this game got made. It's so that kind of thing is so interesting to me. So I want to see. Same. Yep. Same. Okay, so let's wrap this up with some Disney Jeopardy and I did ask Don ahead of time if she'd be willing to participate now everybody remembers from the start of this podcast that Don is not a huge Disney fan so try to come up with some easy questions for you here okay and all right you know how Jeopardy is played right I think so yeah you you answer in the form of a question we're not super picky but that's just the format Okay. okay, so here is the first clue for 100. This is the first Disney princess. <laughs> um, <laughs> who is Sleeping Beauty? So close. James, do you want to give her a hint? Oh. You, you get a lot of this. You get a lot of this precipitation in Colorado and her name is in it. It's the white stuff. <laughs> Okay. Who is Snow White? Ding, ding, ding. There you go. <laughs> Off to a great start. Off to a great start. Okay. <clears throat> this is the name of the prince in Little Mermaid. And this might be the hardest question. Who is Prince Eric? You yes. got it. Yes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Some little snaps made a connection up there. Yeah, okay. yeah, I I had to think real hard, and but I don't know. I haven't even seen the newest one. I was just memory from the cartoon. <laughs> All right, for three hundred, this is the villain in Sleeping Beauty. Who is Maleficent? Ding yes. ding ding. 
man, you were doing good. Okay. For 400. And I hope you've seen this movie. These are the names of the two sisters in Frozen. Well, I definitely know one of them. <laughs> Can I remember the other one, though? Oh, no. Disaster. Who is Elsa and Elsa's sister? <laughs> <laughs> Elsa and Anna. We'll, we'll give you oh, partial no, credit there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> For 500. This is the type of poisoned fruit Snow White eats. What is a poisoned apple? Ding, 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 ding. There you go. Yay. Not too bad. I mean, you started off a little struggling, but you really picked it up after that. That's right. You know, we, we had to make it interesting for the audience. That's, yeah, that, that's what I'm going for. And it also is a clear indicator of just how pervasive Disney is everywhere (laughs) that people know answers to trivia questions who really don't watch disney stuff so yeah i mean i watched disney stuff growing up but pretty much after i got into like middle school high school which again we probably don't need to talk about how long ago that was uh like i really haven't seen any of the the newer stuff uh so i was thinking about it the other day i'm like how long ago did the mona movie come out moana Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I like didn't even see years. that one. I think that's like six years already, isn't it? Something like that. It's a great <laughs> movie. It is a really good movie, though. Yeah, I, yeah, I, like I stopped watching right before that. So oops. <laughs> it has a great soundtrack. You would like it. Anyway, so let's wrap this up. Uh, Don, if people want to find you, where can they find you online? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Donnie DK. It's D A W N I E D K. Uh, you can find me on Twitch and Twitter or Twitch and YouTube uh, at Dragon Rider TCCG. And then every week on the Dr. 3HS podcast talking about standard Hearthstone. And then also every week on the TCCG roundtable talking just everything card games. Yeah, you're everywhere. And again, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you for coming on to our podcast today. So if you liked what you heard, you can follow us here on YouTube or whatever podcasting platform you're listening on. You can follow me on Twitter at Citizens of Lorcana. And James, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me everywhere online at Dan Regal. And you can also check out geekshotphoto.com for links for my wife and I for photography and stuff. And also uh, from now until Comic-Con, you can catch me on the SD Concast, the official podcast of the San Diego Comic-Con unofficial blog. So you can just search us out on YouTube or any any of your favorite podcast uh, platforms. Uh, so thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.